0: Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life giving and life changing. Take care. Yeah. <clears throat> Generosity. As soon as we bring the word up, everyone kind of goes to money. And uh, that's definitely part of it. But there's so much more to this idea of generosity we've been in this series now for almost uh, this will be our seventh week of talking about next level life what does it mean to live or reach for that next level what does it take to get there what does it take to experience life at a whole new level than we're um, experiencing now and my prayer my passion as your pastor is that we would all understand that we have another level to go to none of us have arrived and it's part of our growth process. One, one message I talked about my job description and, and talked about what the Bible says a pastor should do. And our goal is to help us all grow into unity and into maturity. And so this entire series has been one of those series where it's like, let's grow up. And I'm not calling anybody children because there's so many really, really good and amazing adults in this room spiritually speaking, and I'm not tearing down anybody for whatever level of life you're at, but there is another level. And that's the goal is that we live at that, 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 that next level, that next opportunity of maturity, that next level of growth. I love seeing that in my grandkids right now. I was talking to my little two-year-old Brooklyn and uh, she was telling me all kinds of things and I'm like, where in the world are you getting all that intelligence? I knew she was a prodigy. And all my grandchildren are prodigies, you know, but um, it's just amazing to, uh, to see them grow up. And that's true for all of us in our spiritual lives, and our spiritual worlds. We're to continue to grow and to continue to reach for those levels that God wants us at and see life through his lens. Well, we've been in 40 days of prayer and fasting. Today is day 19. And so if you're fasting food, you're probably grouchy. Uh, maybe you've gotten past the grouchy part and you're doing, you know, whatever you're fasting, you're probably missing it. And that's a good thing because missing those things that you're fasting is exactly what God wants us to do. Sacrifice something so that we kind of turn our attention to him when we feel that hunger pain or that desire to do what we were doing. Some, some of you have fasted social media and you're going, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening in this world. And people don't know what's happening with me. And what you're finding is they really don't care as much as you thought they did. (laughs) Right now we're in our ninth day of the 10 days of pause. I don't know if you've enjoyed that. I hope you have this idea of just listening to God for 10 days. And today is our ninth day. And today the focus is on the Holy Spirit's guidance. When we have an opportunity to pause, um, all of a sudden we feel we, we can sense the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And guiding us. The, the Bible tells us very clearly that he's our guide. And so when we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, we're opening our minds and our hearts and our ears to listening to him for guidance throughout the day. And uh, hopefully today will be that focus for you of Holy Spirit's guidance. Um, by the way, there's tools online. You can go online every single day. And you can, uh, every, every day I've been posting a, uh, just a short video, a two to three minute video about the day and about our focus And so you can get that each day if you want. You don't have to get it at 7.40 in the morning. It posts at 7.40. But every day you can go and find that. And then we also have a resource sheet that you can use that's guiding us through these 10 days. I just um, finished the 10 days of petition, which will start on Tuesday. 10 days of asking God for anything and everything we can think of. And so that that sheet will be available on Tuesday, and we'll begin to do videos every day for 10 days of petition. So we've done 10 days of praise, we're, do, we've, we're finishing up 10 days of pause, and now we're going to do 10 days of petition, and then we're going to do 10 days of proclaim. And that'll be a, an amazing time, and it will be done on 40 days, 40 days of of. Prayer and fasting for the church, for our world, for ourselves, for our community, for our family. Whoever it is for, is for everything and everyone that we are trying to just say, God, move powerfully. Amen? Amen? And that's what we want. So on November the 14th will be the last day of the 40 days of prayer and fasting. And on that day, we're going to have a breakfast meal, which will be great. But we're also going to have baptisms. And we're going to have water baptism. People have been saved in these last couple weeks, few weeks. And so we want to have people that need to be water baptized. If you're interested in being water baptized, that's the next step. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're coming back to faith and you're like man i've lived kind of a crazy life in between when i left faith and coming back to it and you want to make a refresh and a reboot that's a great time to get baptized and we'll have the baptismal pool right here we're going to baptize on 14th and so we want you to go online sign up for that because it's going to be an amazing day it's going to be an amazing day of just celebrating life celebrating what god's done over the past 40 days prayer and fasting and i believe he's going we're going to see beyond these 40 days of prayer and fasting god's fruit and the fruit of our our prayers and we're going to see great things happen as we continue to go into the holiday season and all that kind of stuff we're not being distracted by anything um but what god is doing amen Amen. next week we start a series called don't be fooled you don't want to miss the series because it's going to be, it's going to take us right into Christmas. And it's going to be a series all about the things that can fool us into believing that we're doing the right things but we're not really doing the right things. We're being distracted and going in the wrong direction. And in today's world, that can happen easily. That can happen without even knowing it. Even feeling you're so right but you might not be going in the right direction. I'm not saying that you're not wrong Or that you're wrong about how you feel, but how you feel might be taking you in the wrong direction. So you might be right in how you feel, but you could be wrong in the direction you're going. Don't be fooled. That's what we're going to talk about after this series starting next week. And so you you don't want to miss it. All right, so living at the next level of life and faith means we must be willing to do what we've never done before. Any amens on that one? All right, that's for the few of you that are willing to experience pain. <laughs> you know, some people, um, they, they they say about weight loss that um, sometimes people wait until you lose weight when the pain of losing the weight is uh, less than the pain of keeping the weight. Have you ever heard that? That's an interesting statement. And you hear it again. Some people don't lose weight until the pain of I'll say it backwards, until the pain of keeping or uh, losing the weight is less than the pain of keeping the weight. And sometimes we just don't want to change because the pain is so much, when in reality if we would make the effort to change, the pain of change will be much more rewarding than staying the way we are. And so we have to do new things. It requires the right choices, relationships, convictions, character, competence, and consistency and commitment And today we're going to talk about generosity. Without these, we will remain or decline to a level of complacency. We will not accept that. We will not accept complacency. So the big question that we've been trying to answer this entire time is, how do we rise to another level of faith in life? We've talked about making the right choices. We've talked about having the right relationships, building conviction in our lives. And what does conviction look like? Building character. The idea of perseverance, we've talked about competency, being equipped and able to do what we're called to do, and consistency was last week, that consistent path that we have to go down to achieve anything great. People who've done some amazing things in life consistently stay at it. They don't quit. They keep going. They don't stop. They just keep doing every day, 20 minutes a day of exercise will gain you a whole lot more than nine hours in one day of exercise. Nine hours in one day will just make you pain, make you experience a whole lot of pain. Twenty minutes a day, will, you will eventually see results. And so we want, we are, today I want to talk about generosity. And generosity in the context of giving. Giving is a part of becoming mature in Christ. I, I, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and, and I, I felt like the Lord said you would be remiss not to talk about giving and, and generosity in the context of next level life because next level people understand what it means to be generous. Next level people understand what generosity really is. And so uh, why do we feel this tension when we start talking about generosity, um, especially about money? Because we believe it's ours. It's our money that we kind of think of in terms of money. And instead, if you believe that it's God's money then it doesn't offend you that we're talking about it. Okay? It, uh, we, we all believe that we don't have enough of it yet. We don't have enough money or time or talent or skill or whatever the Lord is, is calling you to be generous with. You feel like, well, when I get enough, then I will. And so it creates a tension when the pastor talks about giving. Success is around the corner. We just believe that that next step is going to let me be Generous. Or, I don't trust people with my money. I don't trust the church. I don't trust people. I don't trust anybody with my money. So, I'm not going to give it away. I can do better with my money than anyone else can do it. And so, you trust yourself, but you hold on to it and let it sit there. These are all tensions that create, the, that happen in the conversation. And um, one of the things you'll learn about me is I'm not afraid to talk about money. I'm not afraid to talk about giving. I'm not afraid to talk about generosity. Why? Because Jesus talked about it, first of all. And secondly, because the Bible teaches it clearly. And I'm comfortable teaching the Bible. And the Bible talks about it. And so we're going to talk about it today. So the big question that we're answering today is what is generosity? How does the Bible view generosity in the context of giving? Next level people express generosity because they understand they are blessed to bless others. Okay? If you've been around the church for a while, you've probably heard that statement before. And maybe it's even become cliche. And I ask you today to kind of dump the cliche and hold on to that concept of we are blessed to bless others. Because that's what next level people think. The reason I have is to give. Not the reason I have is to keep. It's a completely different mentality. It's a completely different mentality. I have because I am to give. And when we think that way, then the having becomes even greater because God trusts you with the having so that you can give more. It's a crazy thing. I like this word altruistic. Have you ever heard that word before? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a big word, it's a 50-cent word. Um, but it simply means it, it means this. It, se- it, it means making a choice that benefits others at the cost of myself. Altruistic means making, making an altruistic choice means making a choice that benefits others at the cost of myself, or oneself. And when we choose to be generous, we're choosing to sacrifice. It's a word that's, that, that doesn't sound good. I, a sacrifice, oh no. Now we're talking about giving things up. Now we're talking about changing our lifestyle. Now we're talking about it affecting me. My giving, I don't want my giving to affect me. But then it's not giving. It's not generosity. And we'll, that'll become clearer in just a few moments. So are you ready to make an altruistic choice? A choice that will cost you but it will benefit others that's a big deal there's two kinds of giving in the church there's tithes and there's generosity i know you're probably going to think that i was going to say tithes and offerings and i actually have struggled with this concept of tithes and offerings i think we have to think of it in terms of tithes and generosity Offerings were a part of the Old Testament rituals a long time ago, and they're not a part of what we do now. So t- t- offerings were always things that you brought when there was a celebration. Let's say you were having a a, um, uh, a Passover celebration. You bring an offering to that that. Celebration. You'd bring an offering to different celebrations that the, the Hebrews would have at the time. And we don't do that anymore. We don't bring offerings to celebrations. But we do practice generosity. And the New Testament teaches generosity. And so I'm going to use those terms. I, if, if you want to use offerings, there wouldn't be a misuse of it. But we're going to use those terms. And so the first kind of giving in the church is tithing. Tithing. Now, tithing started way at the very beginning. We didn't call it tithing, or the Bible didn't call it tithing, but it became tithing after Abraham gave to a guy named Melchizedek. He gave 10% of his crops to Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a priest at the time, and the Bible calls him a form or a kind of who Jesus was. In, in theological terms, they would call him a type. A type is a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament, um, A picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. And so Melchizedek was a type. And Abraham gave to Melchizedek out of worship towards God. And he gave 10% of his crops. Now here's where we want to start, though. It even happens before Abraham. And this is why I believe in tithing in our day and not just in Old Testament times. If we read in Genesis 4, we read this story maybe some of you are familiar with this story, maybe not, but this is the very beginning of time and there's two sons to Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Okay, and we start this story. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but, Cain and, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Okay, were you looking at me? Okay, his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, uh, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So here's a crazy story about what's going on with Cain and Abel. Cain, it, Cain works the, 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 the fields. He works the soil. In other words, he, he grows plants. And Abel works the flocks. He handles the meat. Okay, he's handling the, the animals of the, of the day. And what's interesting about both of them is they're both doing what the, what we were created to do is that rule over the, the plants, rule over the earth and manage it, take care of it. And so that's what they were doing. And Abel, uh, Cain brings an offering and it says, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Really interesting. Now listen how it describes Abel's gift and Abel also brought an offering fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock now I don't know about you but the fat portions of a prime rib are the best portions (laughs) I know if you're healthy and you eat healthy you're thinking oh you should never eat that pastor I'm gonna die someday and I'm gonna die with prime rib in my mouth okay (laughs) (laughs) The fat portion of the prime rib. All right? So Abel also brought an offering, fat portions of some of the firstborn of the flock. It was the most precious part of his flock. Now, what does it describe about Cain? Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. He probably brought Brussels sprouts. I don't think God likes them. They're actually pretty good roasted. Yeah, Brussels sprouts are really good for you. So eat your Brussels sprouts, all right? This is the, I'm going to get an email. <clears throat> you talk down Brussels sprouts. There's a difference between these two offerings. There's a difference. Abel, Cain, Abel brings the best and the first, and Cain brings some. And God shows favor to Abel and Cain Gets no favor. In other words, Cain. That's this is the leftovers. As this this uh, video said, this is the spare. This is what you could spare. God wants what it will take to worship Him. The best and the first. Of everything. This is really where I believe God set a precedent for tithing, for giving of our first fruits, giving of the very best of our work instead of the spare and the leftovers of our work. Unfortunately, we in America today have this problem. It's about 3% of the church studies show our our tithing. Just three percent. Just 3%. And, and I'm not knocking this church. I'm not knocking us. This is between us and God. We will never ask you for your tax return. We will never bill you. We will never do any of that kind of stuff. We aren't going to come after you. Uh, none of that. But it's between you and God. But here's the deal. If you are giving God your spare, this is how he thinks of that kind of giving. And I know that's harsh, but he wants the first fruits. He wants the best of what we earn. He wants the best. I will be the testimony that I give. I've tithed ever since I became a Christian. I don't know where I learned that because my mom and dad never really talked about it, but I just knew, and I'm not trying to build myself up in any way, shape, or form, but I just knew that when tithing came up, it was time for me to give, and I figured out what it was. It was 10% right off the top, and Since 1979, I've lived with 90% of my income. And I can tell you, man, it is a blessing. Since 1979, I've not missed a bill. I've not paid a bill. I I mean, I've not missed paying a bill. (laughs) I've not paid a bill since 1979. (laughs) Wow. Well, Pastor, you're not in jail. That's a miracle all by itself right there. I can just tell you, I don't know how it works, but I know because it's God who works it, it works. That's what I love about this this idea of tithing. In 1 John 3, 12, it says, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. If you know the story, Cain got so upset. What's really interesting here is that God said, Hey, why are you so upset? You just made a mistake. Fix your mistake and you'll be fine. And Cain just stayed angry and then went and murdered his brother Abel. Not a cool thing. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. His own actions were evil. And I'm this is this is hard preaching. But the, the concept here is that when we give God less than what he deserves, it's motivated by something selfish. It's not motivated by genuine worship. And I'm just preaching God's word. Is that okay? All right. So Malachi 3 says this about tithing. It says, ever since... The time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. This is God saying to Israel, if you guys have been off course and now you need to return to me, come back to on course. But you ask, how do we return? Will a mere mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask me, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse was the temple. That there may be food in my house. It supplied the needs of the temple so the temple could function for the ministry to the people. Test me in this. This is the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's the promise of tithing. Now, I, I, I wouldn't consider myself rich, but I certainly wouldn't consider myself without I, will, I promise you, God has more than often thrown open the floodgates in so many different ways, not with cash, but with everything you could imagine to bring health and wholeness to my life, to our lives as, as a couple, uh, Karen and I, to our family. We've just never been without. Why? Because I believe tithing is a real deal. And I believe scripture teaches it, and I believe that it was, it, it was tithing before the Came into effect. Some people argue against tithing because it it was a law. It became a law, and it became a cultural practice of the church. In fact, that's why I believe it's not always mentioned, not often mentioned in the New Testament, is because it was it was part of the 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 practice of worshiping God. Tithing was just the way the thing you did. That's the way that that's what God deserves. And so uh, I believe that the the treasure of tithing is being missed in many of our lives because we think we can do more by keeping more but when we live on 90 and give him the 10% he does more with the 90 than we can do with the 100 and you'll hear me say that over and over again if you hang around here long enough because i believe that this idea of tithing is is something it belongs to god Now, I'm going to say something here that will maybe twist you up a little bit. Tithing has nothing to do with generosity. Tithing has nothing to do with generosity. Why? Because the tithe belongs to God. And so when we give our tithe to God, we're not giving of ourselves. We're just giving him what belongs to him. Does that make sense? Now, I fully understand finances. And I understand the challenge that we all face right now. And you're thinking in your head, you're going, oh, how in the world could I tithe? How in the world could I lose 10%? of And, and the, first, the first hard part is lose. How could I lose 10%? How could I take 10% out of my, my budget and pay the bills? All I can tell you is that it'll work out. God, God makes it work. You'll make adjustments to your lifestyle. You'll, you'll do things that, that you have to do to make it work, but then God will bring that reward. He'll open those floodgates, and it will be a great experience. Tithing is a crazy experience, but I don't believe that tithing has anything to do with generosity because generosity is that thing that costs us. It's that thing that takes us to a level of sacrifice. It's that thing that takes us to a level of altruism where the decision we make is for the benefit of others at the cost of ourselves. Not the cost of God. We're not spending God's money when we're being generous. We're spending our money at that point. We're taking part of the 90 and giving it to the Lord. Are you guys with me? Let's look at it for just real briefly. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, and here's what I love about this, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So in any setting where you feel reluctant or you feel like your arm is being twisted, like right now, I'm not going to show any sad dogs on the screen or any poor children from Ethiopia or anything like that. And God bless those, those causes. But you should not make a decision to be generous based on those emotions or that compulsion that's developed. You should be led by the Holy Spirit to say it's time to be generous with whatever God is speaking to you about. Amen? For God loves a cheerful giver. So don't be reluctant or compulsive because both of those motives for giving is not a cheerful reason. He wants someone who says, Oh, I can can do nothing but just give to God because I love to give to God. A smile on your face, maybe a couple butterflies in your stomach going, Oh no, this is scary. But God does something really special there. And God, who is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. That word righteousness isn't about right living. It's about uh, doing good things for people. And then he says in verse 10 Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, as you continue to be generous, he will continue to give you more and more so that you can continue to be more and more generous. That's beautiful. That's the way it works. Then he says, you will be enriched in every way so that. I love the word, the phrase, so that in scripture. Anytime you see that, circle it, highlight it, do whatever you need to do so that you can be generous on every occasion. Now, if I said right now, I said, we need a million bucks. Some of us, myself included, would go, there's no way I could be a part of a million bucks. And there's no way I could be a part of anything because I can't afford it. God wants to get you to that point where you don't even think about not being able to afford it. So that you can be generous on every occasion. When an opportunity comes, you're able to give. It's just the way He wants us to be. That's where He wants our hearts to be. Not where every time an opportunity comes to give, we thought, oh, I wish I could. God bless you. I wish I could. God will supply your needs. Not through me, but keep moving. Keep moving. There's no money here. Keep moving. There's no time here. Keep moving. There's no talent here. There's nothing here I can offer. Why? Because we look at it through the lens of I can't afford it. And the longer we say I can't afford it, the longer it will be that our seed storage, our harvest won't even meet our needs many times. verse 11 says you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We want to be such a generous church, such so generous as individuals that we bring glory to God, not to ourselves. We're not going to wave money in the air and see see what we're doing. No, what we're going to do is we're going to be generous to our community. We're going to be generous to those in need. We're going to be generous to to those around the world. And we're going to make a difference in this world. And people are going to go, wow, that can only be God. That can only be God. If you read chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, you'll realize that this whole story is about how only God can be glorified by this kind of giving, by generosity. So what we come to understand, just in these last few verses, is that next, people, next level people know that giving leads to more giving. Next level people understand that as I am generous, I'm able to be even more generous as time goes on. Generous, generosity is seen as something miraculous in Scripture. It's not something that, we're, wow, look at that person, they're super generous. No, it's, wow, look what God did in their life because they were able to give miraculously. That's the way scripture looks at generosity. It's not our power. It's not our strength. It's not our giving. It's God giving us the ability to give, which is miraculous all in itself. And that's the beauty of generosity. And so what do we learn this morning? Here is what we know about giving. Next level giving reflects God's place in our priorities. Next level giving reflects God's place in our priorities. What we read about Cain and Abel is that Abel made God first. And he was first in his finances or in his giving of the offering. Cain made him second. My encouragement to us, all of us, is to make God first in everything we do with our finances, our resources, our talents, our time, everything. God comes first. Next level giving reflects an act of worship. Abel was worshiping God Cain was obligatory to God. Okay, I have to give something. I'll give something. And gave him what was left over. Next level, giving reflects an act of obedience. Malachi tells us that we cannot rob God. We need to give to God what belongs to God. And when we do, when we obey, he opens the floodgates. Next level, giving reflects an act of faith. Yes, We have to trust God. We have to trust God. And I want to just address trust for just a second. If you don't trust the church, and I understand the church as greatly, the church as like the big church, big C in in the world, there's many places where money has been abused, where resources have been abused, where money has not been treated well. I I, I want you to know I'm comfortable with questions. If you have a question, you have a concern, I'm happy to answer those for you. The next level, giving reflects an act of sacrifice. That's where true generosity is. True generosity. I realize that many of us are motivated by the cause, the cause to give. Why do we give? What should we give? What's the value of giving to Journey Church Ventura? The value is saved and changed lives. In the very near future, you're going to start seeing more and more stories about what God is doing and the changed lives that he is uh, working out in our church. You're going to see discipleship, discipleship hub of resources for discipleship training in our church. We are committed 100% to making disciples. That's our mission. That's our cause. That's our direction. And we're going to give every bit of energy we can do do, do to that. We believe in big outreach. We've done single moms oil change. We've done a serve day. And in the future, we're gonna do what we call journey grants, which means you can apply for a journey grant to do an outreach in your community. And we'll give money to that so that you can go and spend the money on your community and do journey grants. We believe that there's an opportunity to change our world, to build churches around the, the, the world literally, around the world, in different countries so that we can continue to increase the gospel spreading around the world. And I believe that we will invest in amazing ministry leaders and ministries. That means staff and developing the next generation through a leadership college that we will soon develop, hopefully in the next year or two. Those are all just small parts of our vision, our passion, the direction of what Journey Church is all about. And so I want to encourage you today what is God calling you to in your act of generosity? Financially, your time, your talent, your skills, your abilities, where is God taking you? What is he speaking to you today? There's two things I want to encourage you to do. One is pray about your end of the year giving. I won't be shy and tell you that that COVID has made money tight. It's been a prayerful experience to manage the funds of our church. and um, I I love praying about it because God always comes through. (laughs) I'm just excited about it. But here's how he funds the church. He funds the church through us and our tithes and our generosity. And that's how God meets the needs. And so my encouragement to you is prayerfully start tithing. If every one of us tithed, there wouldn't be a problem. And there would be a a blessing to be able to bless others in so many ways. And then my other encouragement is maybe God is challenging you to be generous. Generous in the context of beyond your tithe. Doing something significant to make a difference here at Journey Church Ventura. Maybe one of our, our children's ministries or our outreaches or single mom's oil change or different opportunities like that. I'd be happy to talk to you about those opportunities. And last, this is the altar call. There's ways to give. You can go online, you can give online. That's grown during COVID and it's been great to see our online giving grow. You can give in our giving box in the back with cash or check. You can mail it in if you choose to do that, snail mail. Or there's a new option that we just developed and that's the ability to give stocks. And I'm not gonna go into that at length, but if you wanna give stock to the church, there's incredible, incredible tax savings in that, in that regard and all kinds of different ways there, but there's great ways to do that. Now here's how, the way to manage, here's the way to respond to this message. Go home and pray about it. Go home and pray about it. Go home and meet with God and say, God, I wanna be in alignment with you on every level of my stuff. All my finances, my time, my talent, my resources, whatever I have, God, I simply want to be in alignment with you. Help me to come in alignment with you. And as you do, you will see him open the floodgates. You will see him increase the seed of the next harvest. And you'll see him do great things. This is the Bible. It's not Pastor Ricardo making promises he can't keep. I'm trusting God to keep his promises. I'm just preaching on and I believe that He's going to do some pretty amazing things in your life, in my life, and in the life of this church. As we become a resource to our community, God will get the glory. Amen. 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 Praise God. Lord, I pray right now. God, this is a tough dis- this tough discussion. It's a tough. Uh, way of thinking, Lord, and for some of us, Lord, it it means a life change. It means a a, a value change in our hearts, in our minds, in our finances, in our time, in our talent, whatever. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just raise up a church of generosity, a church that shines your light so bright through all of our sacrifices, God, that nothing can be uh, greater than people coming to you and finding you because of our expression of love and trust in you. I pray, Father, for your grace to be shown on every heart in life, Lord, and that our generosity would be really a true miracle. And God, that you would show us your way in our finances, that you would show us our way in our management of time and our talents and our resources. God, I believe that you are raising up a a generous church, and I thank you and I praise you for it. Help us to be a next-level church in our generosity and in every other way of our lives. Maybe you're here and you have yet to experience salvation, that is, having Jesus forgive you of your sins. Right now, I just simply want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you'd like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior who loves you more than anyone dear Jesus forgive me of my sins thank you for your work on the cross when you died my sins died with you and I accept that forgiveness of my sins and I believe that you were raised from the dead and I know and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life and today I accept salvation into my heart and I thank you for that I pray that in Jesus name amen